Hello everyone, welcome to the Automation Hangout. This is George Okuru. I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Prabhujot Singh. Prabhujot is the president as well as the CEO of the low-code process intelligence platform, PICE. Welcome, Prabhujot. How are you doing today? I'm well, George. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited. Thank you, Prabhujot. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. In today's episode, we are planning to have a discussion with you around how process intelligence as well as analytics can be used to identify inefficiencies, improve productivity, as well as to drive business results. As uh, we have been seeing a lot of acceleration in the way the organizations are actually trying to transform around digital as well as in the modernization side, especially around the cloud. But every organization is actually having a challenge around talent. And that's actually, actually a crucial concern, especially around application development, where you don't have developers with the right set of skills. So based on your experience interacting with customers as well as with your peer group, uh, Prabhujot, like how are organizations trying to solve this problem currently? Yeah, that's a really insightful question, George. You know, there's a talent crunch pretty much in every industry, in every role. We're certainly seeing there being more of a talent crunch around data specialists and data scientists, right? And as organizations look to modernize their systems, yeah, the conversation has to evolve beyond just, we have a system that's going end of life, we've got to you know, migrate it to the cloud or upgrade the platform. You have an opportunity to really improve the performance of that system, right? As you invest in making those updates and upgrades so that you can position the business for better agility, better innovation, rolling out new business models, right? And we've all seen over the last couple of years, that's been so critical to be able to react quickly right and during COVID and beyond. So being able to analyze the existing set of processes, the data that exists today, and then garner insights from that to be able to then make decisions to improve the actual business process, not just the technology, but the actual process itself is critical. And you know, so tools like Pies help with that kind of a, a problem, right? Is by using low-code process intelligence, essentially doing an MRI on the process itself to identify where there's issues that you can resolve and remediate as you move forward. Mm-hmm. And Prabhupada, like any specific reason why you actually picked up uh, the low-code platforms for this kind of analytics or basically on the integration side? Is that because you're actually seeing an upward trend where uh, companies are actually shifting towards uh, low-code as well as no-code kind of platforms? Yeah, there's... So companies are making huge investments in low codes in every dimension, right? Not just application development, but really in in every context. And even with Pies, right, we say low code process intelligence because we make it easy to analyze the process, right? In olden days, right, like like five or 10 years ago, what you had to do was, you know, do all this data wrangling, right? So data scientists... Even today, when we go to our, you know, many of our kind of new accounts, data scientists, data analysts, business analysts are spending almost 50% of their time making sense of data so that they can process it, right? Mm-hmm. And what Pies enables is to be able to automate that process, right, of making it really sort of a low-code, low-touch process to analyze the end-to-end system. And the reason we've done these integrations with other low-code platforms is because organizations, as they move from these legacy systems, right, to modernize, they often are picking these low-code platforms. So what we can do is we can analyze the legacy platform, right, the legacy business process, how 
it's implemented today, understand the business efficiency of it. And then as someone migrates to a low-code platform like a you know Pega or App Systems, they have the ability to then optimize and remediate those issues. And then we've got pre-built integrations, right, to make it really easy to understand how the business process performs on the other side. Mm-hmm. So you can do the before and after very easily, right? Like, hey, we had this process, we made this change. How do you know you made things better? Right, because and that's the question that I always ask. Right, if someone's going to invest seven figures, eight figures in a modernization project, you better be able to quantitatively understand how much of an impact you're making. Right. So, and we don't just do projects for their sake. Right. We want to do something better, faster, cheaper. Right. Make the ability to deploy new features easier. Right. There's. There's always a business objective associated with these projects. So you want to be able to measure the impact. And the only way you can do that is if you baseline, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't improve what you can't measure, right? So you start with baselining the current environment. And then as you make these changes and roll out new capabilities, you know, Pies actually helps you understand the business performance of the new system, right? Okay. And once you can do that, right, now you've got a flywheel going where you can say, okay, I released this new capability. What impact did it have on the business, right? Mm-hmm. And, and based on business priorities, we can you know, change our backlog of features that need to be developed or things that need to be rolled out so that you're focusing on the things that are having the most business impact, right? Okay. So, Prabhupada, then add on question there. So, one, I've worked in product development for some time. One of the key issues that I've seen with products is basically there will be always a set of features that are never used by uh, your users and you actually spend a lot of time building them and at the end of the day you understand that people may not be using it and uh, but you would have already spent a lot of effort in building as well as maintaining those features so how does Pi try to solve that problem around unused features so is there a way in which i can actually generate analytics around the feature usage of my product and then take uh, uh, what do you call actions yeah I, so you know so the, there's three kind of legs to the pie stool right there's integrated process and task mining right which is sort of what we were talking about in terms of understanding how a process is executed how steps of that process are executed the second leg of the stool is really user experience analytics right mm-hmm. which understanding at just at a at a high level what the users end users experiences in using your product to do the work that they need to do, right? And part of that is understanding things like feature utilization, understanding things like screen utilization, because you're absolutely right. Like, you know, a feature gets developed, a capability gets put in the product, and then it has to be maintained forever, right? Whether someone's using it or not, we've got to keep maintaining it. We've got to keep investing time, energy, resources into that feature. And it shouldn't be like that, right? So with Pies, because we have the ability to look at how different parts of the application or even at application level, right? This applies like when you're trying to do portfolio rationalization, you want to understand this at a macro level of how much Mm -hmm. each application is being used or how each feature within each application is being used, right? So you can rationalize those. But yeah, for each individual application, we provide pretty granular understanding and you can get down to the field level on a form, Mm -hmm. right? Like what feel, and we've had customers sort of in order to streamline the experience, you know, you don't want to present a end user with 40 fields and 12 of those are never used, right? You might as well take those out so that you're making the experience a more joyful experience, right? So to speak. And then once you 
understand, okay, this feature is not being used. Well, now you have two options, right? A, let's improve it so that it is used more, right? Or B, let's take it out of the product, right? Because it's not needed. And then there's workflows, you know, for both of those that you can kind of go through. But we've had lots of customers we've worked with. We just did a case study recently with uh, Colliers International, right? They're like one of the largest global commercial brokerages in the world. They rolled out this application for brokers, right? The people who sell the real estate buildings. And they're, because brokers are on the move, right? So they kind of said, okay, we're going to take a lot of these enterprise systems and create a portal mm-hmm. for the broker. They can access it on the, on the run. And, you know, the product theme was like, oh, this is going to be the next Instagram for brokers, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result, they rolled out, you know, what the, the things that they thought the brokers would want. And it turns out, right, some of those things were on point and some of those features no one ever used, right? Mm. So they used the Pi's data to actually iterate on, you know, the things that were relevant to the end user, right? Mm-hmm. And, and built on those capabilities to make that product relevant on a daily basis, right? Versus people logging in a couple times a week or month or, you know, or whatever it was. So okay. that's, a, that's a very concrete kind of example of how, the data is used to understand the end user experience and then to improve that experience and stickiness. Hmm, okay. A very interesting uh, use case, Prabhujot. The other question that I had, and there's again a challenge that I've seen in enterprises where there are multiple types of data that is actually collected. Some of them are actually collected uh, in an automated manner. Some of them are actually entered manually, which is very time consuming. At the end of the day, you basically have data collected across multiple lines of business or mostly the data is actually kept in silos. And it's very rarely used to generate any kind of insights. And the maximum that they will lose maybe create some Excel sheets or Power BI dashboards that, that are good to see, but it doesn't give you any kind of insights to take a decision. So how is your product or platform trying to solve this problem around data existence within silos? And how is it I can use your platform to generate some kind of insights that will actually help me to improve my business or my end customer experience? Yeah, great question. And, you know, in most enterprises, it is Excel sheets and Power BI dashboards, right, that are running the business. I mean, I'll give you a really good example of sort of a engagement we're doing now with the U.S. Air Force. Right. Mm-hmm. So we work very closely with the U.S. Air Force, and we're right now helping them streamline their process for selecting which planes should fly which missiles. Mm-hmm. Right. So as you can imagine, it's a very complex process with many, many data sets, right? Everything from you've got mission details in terms of what kind of mission needs to be flown, what kind of configurations needed, how long that mission is, where that plane needs to go, right? There's a, there's a lot of kind of things there. And all of that data comes from, you know, one system. And then you've got kind of, you know, maintenance data related to, you know, the health of fleet, like what kind of maintenance is scheduled for a particular aircraft. And there's ad hoc maintenance based on effective flight hours, right? There's a lot of moving parts around the planes themselves that are available to potentially fly that mission. And then you've got weather and like, you know, 20 other data streams, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that's sort of come in. And by and large, like this data eventually makes its way into Excel sheets today, right? That are being used to kind of get different slices of what's the mission details or the maintenance or whatever, right? So, and so what we're doing is taking data from these different disparate systems, bringing into our platform, right? And what Pies does is as data comes into our platform across these disparate systems, we normalize it, 
right? So you can kind of get apples to apples. And oftentimes, look, you've got it, you know, you've got primary keys that maybe don't match. You've got a, right? So there's, there's some kind of ETL process that you're doing during that ingestion. But once we have the pipelines hooked up, right, then it's magic because we, A, we're able to kind of provide that end-to-end view of the process, right, of sort of from start to finish, even though it may span a CRM like Salesforce or Snowflake or some ERP system or, you know, whatever it is. And then our AI engine is actually able to analyze that data in near real time mm-hmm. and produce insights in terms of, oh, here's an anomaly that I saw that maybe is interesting or here's a change in trends that we didn't expect or we see that we have a shortage of these parts that are going to impact order delivery, right? Mm -hmm. Or maintenance for this aircraft, for instance, right? So we should go ahead and back order these on priority so that we're not impacting the business, right? So the first step is getting visibility into the data, right? Mm -hmm. Second step is being able to sort of analyze that end-to-end process, right? So that we understand what the end goal is. And then the third step is then being able to produce those insights so that you can actually take action and do something with that data. That's a very interesting capability, especially the anomaly detection is something that is very unique uh, based on what I've heard. And similarly, you're also touching upon uh, business processes. And when it comes to business processes, I've seen very complex business processes, especially in healthcare, as well as in life sciences industry, where uh, the business process itself will actually span across multiple uh, different applications. It can be a legacy system or it can be a low code or even a digital kind of uh, responsive website. So how does that bias actually helps to identify bottlenecks within uh, business processes? And how is it I can use your platform to even optimize a business process? Yeah, that's a great question. So like I said, the first step is always being able to have visibility into that end-to-end process, right? So depending on the platforms that an application process like touches, right? So think about like the context that you just said. Like, let's say I've got a business process. Let's say it's claims processing for a healthcare company, right? Mm-hmm. And so that claim gets originated. It might be that there's a, a React web application, right, that's been used to originate that claim. Then you've got kind of some sort of an orchestration low-code platform that's being used to, you know, process that claim, right, do coding review and potentially kind of check for fraud and write all the different things that you have to go through before that claim either gets approved or rejected. Mm-hmm. You might need to do document collection. And then you may have some backend systems that are running on a mainframe that are also being used to support the processing of that claim, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing you have to be able to do is get visibility into how users are interacting with each part of that system, right? Mm-hmm. And, and from start all the way to finish. So for web applications or any low-code platform, we've got plug-and-play SDKs. Mm-hmm. That you plug our JavaScript SDK into the web app. You know, we've got a component for you know for all the different low-code platforms that you can just plug in, whether it's Mendix or OutSystems or Pega Appian, right? And any of these. And we sort of understand how that case flows through that those platforms. And then on the mainframe side, you know, typically it might be an audit log, an activity log, right, mm-hmm. that we have access to. And then what we're looking for is an understanding of some sort of primary key right, that we can track from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And it might be one or two or three primary keys, right, that you might need to map, right? But once we have that that end-to-end visibility, 
from these different data sources, then we automate the process of of capturing that data on an ongoing basis, right? Mm -hmm. So what that gives you is the understanding of the different workflows, right? So how many different ways can that claim be processed? Mm-hmm. Where do you have the ping pong effect happening where things, you know, people are going back and forth or escalations are happening, right? So once we understand all the workflows, we then kind of do business rule extraction, right? Mm-hmm. To identify, well, okay, what makes a claim that gets resolved in five days different from one that gets resolved in 50 days, right? If that's mm-hmm. what I'm optimizing for, and you can select what you want to optimize for. Do I want to optimize for time? Do I want to optimize for cost? Because, you know, or quality, right? So the, mm-hmm. depending on kind of what you want to optimize for, we might bring in other data streams. So like for for instance, like oftentimes customers will bring in pay ban information of employees, mm-hmm. right? Like not, not salary data, but like, you know, junior employees make this much or managers make this yeah. much, right? And if I know if, you know, John is spending 30 minutes doing this task, well, I actually know what it costs the company, right? So mm-hmm. then for each workflow, I can actually associate a cost right, with each workflow to say, okay, these workflows are more efficient than others. And then from there, we kind of go and look at, do sort of feature extraction, right, Mm -hmm. around the different attributes that we understand, whether it's kind of, you know, what kind of claim it is, what, so you have sort of process data, right, that's case data, then you've got employee data, right, whether it's sort of, you know, my processing center in Houston versus... Mm -hmm. Chennai versus you know Bangkok, right? Whatever it is, like what is the efficiency of each of these centers? And then you know you you can even bring in CRM data if I want to understand you know how my the claims for my gold customers get processed versus my platinum customers mm-hmm. or whatever. So you can, so the more data we have, right? The different vectors we bring into the platform, the richer the analysis, right? Mm-hmm. And, and okay. analyze it, and then you can kind of visualize that end-to-end process across these different systems and actually hit play and see it move, right? And understand where there's hotspots. I will show like a heat map again on the process itself and interact with that process to say, okay, oh, there's a hotspot in coding review. Let me figure out why that hotspot exists. And you know, our AI engine will actually assist with that by saying, okay, this segmentation is interesting because it seems to be, you know, indicate the difference in performance between you know, these two call centers or whatever it is. And then, you know, and then you've got kind of the AI engine that's analyzing the data to identify where there's issues or new things that are emerging. Okay. So that's kind of the approach that people typically take with our platform. And the idea is getting into a continuous improvement mindset, right? Because, you know, there's new, like in that coding claim processing thing, there might be new codes that yeah. get introduced. There might be new people that we're hiring, right? There's new and you put new plans that are being rolled out, right? So we're in a dynamic world, so things are changing. And yep. as change, you don't want to wait for a week or a month or a quarter to say, oh, I have this issue, right? Because yep. you and many, many times people don't know there is an issue <laughs> because they don't have data to actually substantiate that. And one more interesting feature that I heard is basically getting the visual representation of your entire business process. So does it does your platform also allows a person or a user to actually see the improvements that you can actually bring in and what how your process would actually look like once you actually make a change to the process? For example, I'm having a bottleneck in one of the applications. I'm actually trying to solve it. So does your platform give me a simulated kind of view on how my process would be in the future once I make this change? Yeah, so we've introduced like what-if analysis. That hasn't been integrated into the process map itself yet, but we've got other tooling that allows you to do that. But that's something that we're going to enable. It's a very natural progression to sort of 
do sort of hey, what if on the process map itself? Yeah. Uh, so you're, I like how you're thinking. Yep, that, that, that would be a very good feature, for, especially for folks who are trying to bring in these process improvements. The other yeah. area that I would like to touch upon, Prabhjot, is around modernization. Because I've seen a lot of interest in organizations to actually modernize everything that is there. And it is very difficult to actually pick maybe the right set of applications that should be modernized. Because it may not make sense to modernize everything that you might have. So you need to actually do that kind of an, a discovery exercise in order to find out what should be modernized and what should not be. So what are some of the approaches that you would recommend for organizations who are getting into the journey of modernization? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question. I mean, look, we're working with a telco right now that has about, I want to say, close to 5,000 legacy applications, right, <laughs> that they're looking to modernize. So it's a big, big, big problem, right? And as part of that, there's certainly rationalization, right? So especially in the enterprise context where you're acquiring multiple companies, right, you're merging yep. them together, you've got redundant systems upon redundant systems upon redundant systems, right? And, you know, generally, people take sort of a bottoms-up approach around application rationalization, and, you know, I've got, let's say, five applications that kind of do the same thing or you know, 50 applications that do the same thing. Let me sort of under, you know, go through this, sort of this, I call it sort of spreadsheet-based analysis of, you know, technical debt, go interview a bunch of people, understand the, you know, the business value of that application, right? And then kind of produce a report of which applications should be sunset or consolidated or, yep. you know, modernized, right? Like that's generally the process that's used today. What we've had a lot of success with is actually taking a, a top-down approach. Mm-hmm. So instead of focusing on the application first, focusing on the business process that those applications support. Mm-hmm. So monitoring the end-to-end performance of business processes and then drilling down to understand how those different applications support the execution of that business process. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've got kind of, let's say, a plan and build process for, you know, installing 5G towers, right? Mm-hmm. There's different applications that are used for different functions, right? Everything from you know, kind of site audits to material sourcing to, you know, the PLM process, et cetera, et cetera. So starting with the, the business process, understanding the relative effectiveness of that process, and then looking at how different applications support those processes, because uh, what that gives you is an understanding of the user experience, an understanding of you know the the relative effectiveness of each application, everything from usage metrics, what we we're talking about before, like how well those apps used, understanding the latency and the technical performance of those applications, mm-hmm. right? Getting down to that level, then doing the apples to apples comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. And then because if you can get down to the feature level of from a performance, business performance and technical performance monitoring. Now the conversation is not around application, just rationalizing applications. It's what features are going to be the best features to include in the modernized app, right? Mm-hmm. And I might want to take a feature or two from application A, a feature or two from application B, and and then kind of create sort of a best of breed application that is modernized, right? And then you can consolidate or sunset those others. And we can monitor them, right, side by side to see okay, how the business performance is. And, you know, you would do that kind of, you know, on a domain by domain basis, right? So, like, obviously, you can't boil the ocean if mm-hmm. I've got 500 or 5,000 
apps. So you start with one domain, you sort of understand how business processes get executed. And the other ancillary benefit of doing this approach is you actually also wind up optimizing the business process. Yeah, that's very important because bottom-up process, you don't, of course, you don't basically know what business process you are touching. Only once you start your roadmap, you start thinking about the business process. That's a very different and I would say, I think that that's the right approach because until you look at your business process, end of the day, it's all about business process, not about applications because the end customer is actually going to look at the business process rather than the outcome from each of the applications. It makes a lot of sense. The top-down approach makes a lot of sense, but I've not seen a lot of organizations as well as service providers taking that route as I uh, uh, that's the reason I was ask, asking this question in the first place because everyone yeah. what I've seen is like there's a three to four month or even six month discovery exercise that is done uh, right. to actually find out what needs to be modernized and then after you do that exercise then afterwards when you start your modernization exercise that is when you're trying to map the business processes which is, that, that, which is that, too that, again. 100% right. And yeah, so th- this is an approach we've been pioneering as a, as a company. Mm-hmm. You're right, it's not really widely adopted in the market, but we're we're getting really, really good feedback from customers, from, from partners on this approach. And you know, the other thing that this does is, A, it takes a lot of the subjectivity out of that kind of four to six month process that you're talking about, because it's you're doing data-driven decisions. And yep. B, it speeds up that process too. Like the, not, not the the application development process, right? That's going to take as long as it can take. But you know, the data collection, data analysis process right, yep. is much, much faster. So we can speed that up by like 50, 60% probably. And then there's another use case that I can think about, Prabhujot, and especially when you have legacy applications that has been there in organizations for years together. Very rarely people have documented those business processes. So everything is there with the SME, but no one would have made an effort to, in order to document those business processes and especially what i've seen in the testing world especially when you're doing end-to-end testing that is where the team really struggles to understand what the business processes are what are the different variations of those business processes and also understand like how customers are using that in real uh, production that's something that if we can get such a view around uh, the business process it really help uh, everyone including the testing groups who are involved in end-to-end testing Finally, yeah. uh, one area that I have uh, not touched upon is basically around customer-related analytics. So what are some of the features or capabilities that you're offering around maybe customer service or around maybe customer happiness that can be used in order to improve maybe both the overall experience of the end customer as well as the, to improve maybe something like a product adoption? Yeah. Gosh, so so there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, let me talk through just a couple of use cases. Okay. Um, Specific to sort of like, you know, when we think about kind of customer adoption of a system, right, that's really kind of understanding user journeys and, right, so in Pies, we've got this, you know, pretty dynamic ability to switch between the paradigm that we use to analyze a process, right, so you mm-hmm. can kind of go from, I want to switch from a primary key that's a claim ID, right, of the, going back to that example yeah. that we looked at earlier, to user ID. Right. So you can sort of say, okay, I want to understand the user's customer journey, right? To either uh, set up a claim or, you know, put someone on the back office side that's processing that claim, right? So you can understand that piece of where there's bottlenecks, where there's issues as we're, we're walking through the, the work that they have to do, right? At the task level, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. tasks are typically done by a person, right? Steps in a process might be done by a couple of people. And then you've got, obviously, you know, workflows that span lots and lots of different people. So making sure that each end customer's experiences as optimized as possible is critical 
then you've got sort of the ability to use this data to proactively address issues before customers actually have to open a ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll, I'll give you an example that we've been working on with you know one, one of the uh, large ride sharing companies here in, in the U.S. where you know as drivers come across a problem, right, they go and they open a ticket via chat typically, right, because they're on the road and the person on the other side may not have context, right, the customer service mm-hmm. agent. So you know that issue might get escalated in their team, but now that driver's got to go on to the next ride. So then they've got to go through that process again, hour later or when they get home at night and so forth and so on. But by understanding, by dynamically understanding where issues are emanating from, right? Mm-hmm. You can, from a product perspective, take proactive action, mm-hmm. right? And that's a great way of reducing the amount of tickets that get opened in the first place, yep. right? By resolving the, the issue proactively. And then the, the flip side of that is, okay, when a ticket does get open, right, being able to understand that ticket processing journey, right, from origination to, to closure, right, we're doing that same sort of business process analysis to see where there's bottlenecks, where do you have escalations happening, mm-hmm. how many times someone has to go back and forth. Like we, we did this one exercise where we found that, you know, tickets that were opened via the via phone close much, much faster than tickets that were open via chat or email okay. because they had the most context that was taken up front, mm-hmm. right? To be able to resolve that issue versus requiring to go back and forth, which is kind of like, you know, who, who calls up anymore via phone, right? To open tickets. But that information is then used to be able to make improvements in the intake process, right? Okay. Via, via email, via chat, so that, you know, everyone has the same context regardless of channel, right? So that's... That's kind of business rule extraction, right? Being able to look at the business performance and then be able to sort of identify, okay, well, why is this different than this, right? And and then based on what you're trying to optimize. And so, I, I mean, I could go on all day. Uh, that's you know, an interesting use case, especially where it would reduce the number of PKs or help if you can close issues faster by looking at the right root cause. It definitely helps. There's a lot of time that is wasted uh, in order to raise a ticket or if you can Eliminate the ticket logging process itself by proactively looking at some of these bottlenecks. It really helps. We have run short of time today, but you covered a lot of interesting facts around uh, product analytics, customer service analytics, portfolio rationalization, how to optimize business processes, and also around modernization. A, a very interesting approach around modernization. Thank you so much, uh, Prabhujod, for uh, joining today and sharing these insights. It will be very useful for our audience as well, because this is something new that uh, even I was hearing it for the first time. There's a lot of things that you can do with analytics, especially with uh, low-code platforms. So thank you once again, uh, Prabhujod. We hope we hope to meet you soon uh, maybe with another uh, set of interesting uh, use cases until then goodbye and thank you so much thank you for having me on today here george i really enjoyed the conversation really insightful set of questions and lovely dialogue so yeah i'd, lo- I'd love to do this again soon so yep. i appreciate the time thank you have a great day Prabhupada. take care with this we have come to the end of this episode of automation hangout Hope you found the session interesting as well as useful. Please do subscribe to our channel to stay abreast with the ever-changing world of automation. Until we meet again, goodbye.